Well, let's take our Bibles this morning and turn to Romans chapter 1. Romans chapter 1, and we will begin at verse 16 and read all the way to the end of verse 23. Our text this morning is really going to be verse 23, but we do want to set the context of where we've been and where we are going this morning. Paul writes, beginning at verse 16, For I am not ashamed of the gospel, for it is the power of God for salvation to everyone who believes, to the Jew first and also to the Greek. For in it the righteousness of God is revealed from faith to faith, as it is written, But the righteous man shall live by faith. For the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of men who suppress the truth in unrighteousness. Because that which is known about God is evident within them, for God made it evident to them. For since the creation of the world, his invisible attributes, his eternal power and divine nature have been clearly seen being understood through that which has been made, so that they are without excuse. For even though they knew God, they did not honor him as God or give thanks, but became futile in their speculations, and their foolish heart was darkened. Professing to be wise, they became fools and exchanged the glory of the incorruptible God for an image in the form of corruptible man and of birds and four-footed animals, and crawling creatures. There ends the reading of God's word this morning. Join with me in prayer this morning before we walk our way through this text this morning. Our gracious Heavenly Father, we again thank you for your word. We thank you that you have revealed yourself in it so that we might know you. We praise and thank you that you communicate in human language and that you have had it put in our language that we can read it and understand it. And we thank you for the Holy Spirit who illuminates its truth to us. And so this morning, again, we pray that your Holy Spirit would be the teacher and that he would again open our eyes to the truth of the Word of God, that he would convince us of those truths and those truths would be transformational in our lives that we might go out more conformed to the image of our Lord Jesus Christ here this morning, I pray in your name. Amen. Well, one of the things we need to recognize is simply this, that every person on the planet is a worshiper. Every single person on the planet is a worshiper. It doesn't really matter where you are, It doesn't matter what religion that you put yourself in, or even if you claim to have one, you are a worshiper. And we we would probably say, if we were just to put the Bible aside for a moment, (gasps) we can do that. We would look at the empirical evidence, and we would say, there is a ton of religions out there. In fact, we, we would say that most of the world, at least over half, maybe three-quarters of the world, identifies themselves with some sort of religious movement. 
In fact, we often divide the world. We say, well, the, the world, the, you know, Christendom or the Islamic world. And we, we identify parts of the world by their religious uh, bent. And so religion is everywhere. You only have to walk down the streets and you'll see a mosque, you'll see a church, you'll see various kinds of churches, various kinds of organizations. All worshiping, all religions, everyone is a worshiper. Now many people will say, really ultimately, and, and, and many have said, as, as you, especially as you get the Western world, well, really, religion is really something that uh, kind of came out of the chaos of early man. Man kind of came out of the mud, and then he had all of these ideas, and as he developed, he had all of these different religions. And so there was many different gods, many, many different things that they worshipped, and then eventually, as, as man evolved... Think about that. Man evolved, religion evolved, and eventually there became these ideas of monotheism. And really, that was the pinnacle of religion until we, wink, wink, nudge, nudge, decided that actually there is no God at all. Right here in the Western world, there's no God at all because we've all come to understand that those superstitions need to be set aside. And yet, people continue to identify as being spiritual. But in the face of all of this intellectual thinking, the Bible actually describes the exact opposite. Rather than man developing into monotheism, man has actually developed the other way around. Man started as a monotheistic and ended up polytheistic. He ended up having many different gods, many different religions, because according to Scripture, God created what the heavens and the earth, and Adam and Eve walked with who? God. And it is only through history that man has invented other gods and started to worship them. And so Paul this morning is going to really give us an insight into false religion. And he's going to give us insight into the fact that all religion really is idolatry. All religion is idolatry. All religion ultimately is idolatry. All idolatry is actually, and all religion is actually a, flee, a fleeing from the true God. And all true religion is ultimately to take away from the glory of God. And we could even say fourthly, and this may surprise you, that all idolatry and all religion, not only does it, is it, is all religion idolatry, not only does, does it, an intentional fleeing from God, not only does it take away from the glory of God, it is ultimately self-worship. Religion and idolatry is actually self-worship. Now that may surprise you, but stay with us as we go through this passage here today. Now we've been going through Romans, we've been going through this section here between verses 18 to 23. And we've really been discussing after the good news, as Paul announces really the theme of the book in verses 16, about the gospel. 
and that the, there's this need for the righteousness of God that comes by faith. In order to be right with God, you need to have a righteousness that comes through faith. He says, here's the problem. For the wrath of God is being revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of men. In other words, the good news of the gospel is necessary because the wrath of God is being revealed and will ultimately be demonstrated in its fullness at Christ's return. And then Paul goes on in this section really to tell us why God's wrath is being revealed. Why is God's wrath being revealed against mankind? And we saw really two reasons. First, the willful rebellion against God's law. In verse 18, against all ungodliness and unrighteousness, the men who suppress the truth and unrighteousness. They, re they rebel against God. They rebel against his standard. And secondly, we saw a willful ignorance of God's person. In verses 18, he gives it at the end. They suppress the truth in unrighteousness. They, they hold what they know about God and they stifle it. And then verses, beginning in verses 19 to the, to the end of the paragraph, here he really gives the full description. He says that they, that they know what, that which they know about God, what is clear and visible to them. God had made it evident to them. God has revealed himself. His invisible attributes and His eternal power and His divine nature have been clearly seen. God has revealed Himself to man. Man is without excuse, but man is willfully ignorant. And instead of accepting this revelation of God, instead of trying to grasp it, they reject it. And so they are left without excuse. And in fact, man responds in two ways that are kind of shocking. Instead of seeing this and recognizing it and taking it in, they reject it. And they respond, first of all, with hard-hearted rebellion against God. In verse 21, they knew God, they did not honor Him or what give thanks. They simply refused to give God the glory that was His. Though they recognized it, and though that might have been in a, in, a, in a general form, they simply refused to acknowledge the evidence that they saw and give to the God the glory that is seen in His eternal power and divine nature. And in fact, instead of that, because of their clear rejection of that, they ultimately became futile in their speculations. Their foolish heart was darkened. Professing to be wise, they what? They became fools. And the direct consequence of denying the reality of God is, is foolishness, darkness, lies, and a detachment from reality. But now here in verse 23, man does another shocking thing. He does another shocking thing. Not only does he have hard-hearted rebellion, but now he has hard-hearted worship of false gods. He now turns to false religions and he replaces God in his foolishness, professing to be wise. He now responds with worship of false gods. He says in verse 20. To professing to be wise, they became fools. And then verse 23, and exchanged the glory of the incorruptible God 
for an image in the form of corruptible men and birds and four-footed animals and crawling creatures. Paul's point here is, here's the greatest folly that man can make. He's got the created, creator God. He's, got the, he's seen the glory of this great God, and yet he refuses to worship him. In fact, he turns to the created thing rather than the creator. How foolish is this? Instead of, refuse, instead of worshiping him, when he refuses him, he worships something else. And here's the thing. Anything that you worship, anything that you worship more than you worship God is idolatry. Anything that you sit here today and you say, I prefer that to God's glory. I will sin to get it. I will sin not to get it. I must have it. It's more important to me than God's glory is idolatry. And Paul's point here in verses 21 to 23 is, is, the, is to demonstrate the foolishness that man demonstrates as he falls down and worships a piece of wood or a rock. Now, verse 23, Paul says, and he provides us with some compelling insight. First of all, he says, look at, at all false religion is idolatry. Notice the subject in 23 is not expressed and exchanged the glory. To get the subject of the sentence, we have to go back to verse 22. Professing to be wise, they became fool. But in the Greek, the subject is supplied in the verb itself. And so in verse 23, they exchanged the glory. We have to go all the way back to verse 18. All, all ungodliness and unrighteousness of men who suppress the truth in unrighteousness. In other words, who's doing this? It's all the pagans, all those who refuse to worship the true God. Those are the ones who suppress the truth and unrighteousness. And so Paul is making a universal point here. All pagans who don't worship the true God are engaged in religion, which is idolatry. All pagans who do not worship the true God are involved in idolatry. You've heard the statement, all roads lead to Rome, right? All roads lead to Rome. In other words, there's this idea in religion, if you go to a religion class at university, that all, all, all religions lead to God. All roads, you, it doesn't matter which road you take. But the Bible says completely different. There's one way through the Lord Jesus Christ. There's one way to heaven, one way to God. There aren't multiple ways. Alternate paths, listen to this, alternate paths lead to hell. There's no exception to it. There's only one path, one way, and that's the worship of the true God. So the idea then is, where do these gods come from? Where do these gods come from? Well, we talk about man-made religion. But that's not completely accurate. Scripture also speaks clearly about where false religions come from. 
And you first have to understand that false gods, what? Don't exist. False gods don't actually exist. God says in Isaiah 45.5, I am God, there is no other. Apart from me, there is what? No God. Isaiah 46.9. Remember, I am God and there is what? No other. So whatever is out there is not God. Whatever they're worshiping cannot be God because God says there is what? No other God. There is one true God, and that is Jehovah. That is Yahweh. But what lies behind these idols that they are worshiping? What lies behind the object of false worship? According to the Old and New Testament, the answer is simply this. Demons. Demons. Moses said in Deuteronomy 32.17, They sacrificed to demons who were not God, to gods whom they have not known, new gods who came lately, whom your fathers did not dread. In other words, they've made images that their fathers didn't have. They're bowing down to these images and they are worshiping them. But they are actually worshiping what? Demons. Demons. Demons are coming along and they are what? Empowering these false gods. Paul says the same thing in 1 Corinthians 10, 19 and 20. He says, what do I mean? That the thing sacrificed to idol is anything or that an idol is anything? In other words, when they're bowing down to an image... That image is nothing, right? You have quotes of people saying, here's a workman, he's got a, he's got a piece of wood. Is he going to make a chair or a god out of it? Does he make a chair or an idol of it, right? Well, it's not good for a chair, so I'll, make, I'll, I'll carve an idol. Paul says, is it anything? No, but I say the th that the things that which the Gentiles sacrifice, they sacrifice to demons and not to God. In other words, Satan is powerful enough to come along and he's powerful enough to animate some of these idols and to give people enough miracles to keep them coming back. Remember Moses when he was bringing Israel out of Egypt? The wise men, the sorcerers, were, had enough power in Satan to mimic some of the miracles that Moses did to harden Pharaoh's heart. And so it is here. They bow down to these things and there's enough animation and there's enough uh, miracles that take place or events that take place that it keeps them coming back. Whether it's a prediction that comes true, whether it's a, uh, a certain sign, whether people get sick when they're cursed by the witch doctor. And it might be interesting because in, in first. Timothy chapter 4, he says, Paying attention to deceitful spirits and what doctrines of demons. False teachers are going to come and they're going to be teaching in the last days doctrines of what? Demons. 
Now you look at how many false religions there are and you look at the founders of those religions and you look at the people participating in those religions and how many of them have had leaders who have had some sort of revelation, some sort of vision, some sort of spirit taughtness that allows them and gives them the philosophy of the things that they teach. How many of these people have been either through drugs, through music, through, through repetition, through emptying their mind, have entered the, the spirit world and actually been taught the religion that they now teach? You don't have to go very far to see religions that are continually what? Looking into the spiritual realm to get information about today or about the future. So we would say this, all false religion, all religion outside of the true worship of God is what? Idolatry. And behind the false religion are demons impersonating the gods who people worship. So there is the true faith revealed by God himself and all other faiths, all religions, all belief systems of any kind can actually be traced back to Satan himself. And Paul wants to make it clear there's only one true worship, one true way, and that's the worship of the Lord Jesus Christ. This is the gospel that he's speaking about in chapters 16 and 18. This is the only true worship of God. Well, Paul gives us a second insight into this and into false religion. Verse 23. And that is, all false religion is intentional flight from God. It is intentional flight from God. False religion is not good people looking for God. It says here in verse 23, they exchanged. Now, I'm going to explain the, the Greek word here behind the word exchanged. It means exactly what it means in English. <laughs> okay? It simply means to trade or to exchange one thing for another. And notice it's an active verb here. They exchanged. In other words, the subject of the sentence, the pagans in this case... They are the ones performing the act. The pagans intentionally make an exchange. All men, according to verse 20, know how much they know about truth of God and creation. They what? Suppress it. And now there's a deliberate exchange here. People are exchanging the, the truth, exchanging what they know about God and the, and the form of God for something else. Man exchanges the glory and they do it actively and that is exactly what they are after when it comes to false religion. People are not saying, there are not good people out there who are running around sincerely seeking God, hoping to find Him and their religion is an expression of that. Understand that there. Religion is an expression of the exchange that they willfully made. 
And that's Paul's point. They exchange the glory. They suppress the truth. By nature, truth suppressors, and this is what they do. They exchange the glory of God for the image of a corruptible man. They actually exchange it willfully. Remember in the Old Testament when Israel was, was coming out, and Moses is going to get the Ten Commandments, and he's up, he's up on the hill with God. And what is Israel doing? They're making the golden calf. They're going to worship the golden calf. The psalmist said, in recounting this in Psalm 106.20, they exchanged their glory. They took the glory of the God that was with them, the glory that was demonstrated to them, and they exchanged their glory for an image of an ox that eats grass. They put a calf up there to worship it. They exchanged the glory of the Creator for the image of an ox. 800 years later, in the time of Jeremiah, unbelievers in the nation of Israel were still making the same sort of dreadful exchange. In Jeremiah 2.11, the prophet says, Has a nation changed gods when they were not gods? God says, But my people have changed their glory, that is me, for that which does not profit. So man's pursuit of religion is not because he's desperately seeking God. He doesn't have this, this desire to know the true God. He's in the middle of suppressing all of that. The Bible says, actually, far from it, they're trying to get away from God. This is their way to get away from God, is to go to false religion. If you look at Romans one twenty-eight. He says, and just as they did not see to fit to acknowledge God any longer. The idea is, literally, they did not approve of having God in their knowledge. Did you hear that? They did not approve of having God in their knowledge. They couldn't, they wouldn't have the knowledge of God in their mind. They did not approve of having God in their knowledge, and so they turned to idolatry. You only have to flip over to Romans chapter 3.11. And this is the universal call of all mankind. Is man seeking God? Is man desperately seeking the true God? Not according to Romans chapter 3. There is none who understands what? There is none who seeks God. How many? None. There are not good people seeking God. There are bad people who are seeking to suppress God. And so all of the good that you see that they do and all of the sincerity they have is actually blasphemy against God because they are intentionally deserting him and making a God of their own. Now, as we said, the third thing that we see here is it's an intentional effort to diminish the glory of the, of the true God. Paul says in verse 23, they exchanged the glory of the incorruptible God for an image. 
Glory here speaks of the, the splendor, the majesty, the, intrinsically, the majesty that intrinsically belongs to the one true God. It's a weighty list of all of his divine perfections. And Paul says they exchange the glory that is God for an image. Now, when he says they exchange, he's not describing a particular event here. He's not talking about a particular person or a nation, etc. But he's saying this is mankind's default situation. This is what man does. This is what he does by nature. It is a summary fashion of the propensity of all humanity to simply exchange the glory of God for a false religion. It's hard to believe. Why would men do such a thing? In fact, he says here, they exchanged it for what? Look what they exchanged the glory of God for. He says, for an image in the form of corruptible man, of birds and four-footed animals and crawling creatures. Now it's interesting here because what we, what we really see here is, is a downward spiral. A downward spiral. In other words, we start with man created in God's image and we end up with what? The lowliest things on earth. Now if we looked at them in reverse order, look at this. He says, creeping things. People throughout the centuries have what worshipped bugs. Now, how insulting is that to God? The Creator God and men have reduced themselves to what? Worshipping bugs and beetles. Snakes. You see this often in, in, in religions. They are worshipping snakes, even flies. In fact, Beelzebub means the what? Lord of the flies. They worship flies. The Philistines worship flies. The Assyrians worship snakes. Man has now gone from the glory of the Creator to the what? The lowest part of creation. The things that we kind of shrink from. The things that, those little things that make us shriek and we run away. I won't mention who does that in our household to spiders. Not me. Okay, just... <laughs> anyway. Four, and then four-footed animals. Right? Even the Jews worship the golden calf. Did they not? In Sinai in Exodus chapter 32, they set up a couple golden calves in First Kings 12 at Dan and Bethel and worshiped them again. Right? The Egyptians worshiped bulls. Right? Again, there are those who worshipped animals. In fact, they used to bury their, their, their sacred bulls in special graves, almost like a pharaoh with wealth. I'm trying to find those bulls, actually. But, right? All of these gods in the form of a beast... The Egyptians worshipped the stork, they worshipped the ape, they worshipped the cat. All of these things, and they began to worship them. But before that, they, they worshipped birds, 
right? The magnificent birds that flow. The, the Romans would worship the eagle. Herod the Great had a gold eagle erected over the gate of Jerusalem and it infuriated the Jews. Why? Because that's what they worshipped. It was a false god. It was an idol. An idol forbidden by the divine law. Which the Jews finally got right eventually. Right? They stopped making idols. At least for wholesale. But the first thing that man actually worships ultimately is what? Is himself. Man is the highest level of, man's, of God's creation, and now man what? worships himself. He deifies himself. They worship Caesar, right? They put his face on all the coins. The gods of the Greeks and the gods of the Romans were pretty much what? Man-made gods. They were man-like man gods. They had gods of war, gods of fertility, gods of learning, gods of hunting, gods of heaven. Right? Man has always deified himself. Remember Nebuchadnezzar building his palace, right? Is this not the mighty palace that I have built by, by what? By the power of my might, right? Look, look at me. You even think in the garden, what were Adam and Eve doing? They saw that the, good, the fruit was good to eat, good to the eye, and what? Could make them what? Like God like God, self-deifying, right? I want to be God. And so man becomes what? The central thing, the first thing that we deify. And it is only after we get tired of that that we go down that spiral of sin that goes all the way to the bottom. So the question then becomes, if man can see God, God has made it evident to them. And yet they reject that truth. And that, remember, this is not an intellectual choice. This is a moral choice because they, can, they have the evidence and they choose not to accept it. Why would man do that? What is the reward for that? Why would you ever want to do that? That sounds like one of the most foolish things you could ever do. Now listen to this. Listen what they exchanged. Here, here's, here's the exchanges that they're making. All right? They exchanged the person of the living God for a lifeless image. This makes sense to you. But that's what they did. They exchanged the creator for the creature. They could have had the creator, but they, they chose the creature. They exchanged the incorruptible the one that was subject without decay for something that decayed and something that would die. And they exchanged the glorious, the majestic for the common in the everyday. They had the glorious God and they just said, hey, I'll worship that piece of wood. Right? That the piece, same piece of wood that could have been made into a chair or put in the fire. So what's, what is the uptake here? Well, we recognize that all false religion is actually what? Self-worship. Self-worship. And what does a guy get out of this? What does a guy get out of false religion that makes it so appealing? Well, I'm going to suggest to you three things. 
three things that ultimately make it appealing. Number one is simply this. False religions allow you to what? Self-rule. Man loves self-rule. They do not want to be accountable to a God who says this is right and this is wrong. They want control of their lives. This is why in the church there's been such a struggle because everybody wants to give man free will because man wants to be in charge. He wants self-rule. He wants self-determination. In Jeremiah 17, God talks about Israel's idolatry and he talks about her pursuing idols and worshiping idols. And then he says in verse 5, Thus saith the Lord, Cursed is the man who trusts in idols. Nope. That's not what he says. You'd expect that, wouldn't you? I mean, I, I kind of primed you for that, so I kind of set you up. But what does he say? Cursed is the man who trusts in mankind and makes flesh his strength, whose heart turns away from what? The Lord. Now remember what we read in Psalm 84? Blessed is the man whose strength is what? The Lord, right? And here he says, cursed is the man who puts his trust in his strength. In other words, to follow idols is ultimately about yourself. Once you make a counterfeit God, it allows you to remain the center of your life. You stay in control because you pick the religion, you pick the God that you want. I like this. This is what I want. This allows me to do what I want. And so I decide what God is. I choose a God that fits my lifestyle and my desires. Again, if I want to do what I want to do, I want to be in control of my life. Do I want to hear the God of Sinai? The God who thunders on the mountain? Who had just demonstrated fire and cloud and the people were scared to get close to? I don't want that God. That's a scary God. That's a God who can actually do what he desires and what he wants and enforce his way. I don't want that. So, idolatry gives you what? Self-rule. If this is about self-deification, I'm going to be like Adam and Eve, right? I'm going to decide what's right and wrong for me. When it says that they, they, they would know what right and wrong is, you have to understand, not only did they f discover what right and wrong was and for the first time know what evil was and what good was as opposed to, e to good, but they also made a decision that what was right and good was up for them to decide because they chose to disobey God and they said, this is good for me. If I eat this fruit, this will be good for me. And they became self-rulers, right? They chose what was right and wrong for them rather than believing God. Now there's a second reason that people like false religion. It's not just about self-rule, it's about self-gratification. 
right? People get into religions because it makes them feel good. Because it appeals to what they want to do and with the things that they enjoy. You are to look at idolatry and you even look, go through the Old Testament and you look at Baal worship or you look at any of these worship, you will find that there's this pattern here of self-gratification. And if you were just simply to look at Baal in the Old Testament, you would see that first of all, one of the, there was really three areas of attraction for self-gratification. Now the first one might surprise you, but we read about it this morning and, and, and that's this. There was violence and brutality. False religions allow you to do what? Have violence and brutality. And for, there are several passages here in the Old Testament where it speaks of Baal worship. There was violence. There was brutality. And you look at false religions and you will find people lining up because they enjoy violence and this religion allows them to do violence. You look at the philosophy behind many of the terrorist groups. You trace their religious origins and what are you going to find? They have found a religion that allows them to be what? Violent and brutal. And this is what they live for and it feeds on them. And it is no wonder that these religions appeal to what? Young men. Young men. Because they're strong and powerful and naturally inclined that way. And they flock to this. You only look at ISIS. You look at other terrorist groups and they're filled with people who what? They love violence. Look what happened in Israel. They beheaded babies and women and they celebrated it with joy. Violence and brutality, false religion. Secondly, false religion gives you sexual fulfillment. Gives you sexual fulfillment. You sometimes wonder why Israel kept on falling into idolatry and you think man the theological arguments for Baal and these other gods must be must be really good I mean they must have a philosophy that's airtight no not much of philosophy there at all but what they did have was the fact that you in order to worship you needed to be involved in sexual immorality Now you had a lot of people lining up to worship because you had to go to the temple to have relations with temple prostitutes in order to worship. And they used to have high places where people could go so the gods could be voyeuristic and watch. And there was a lot of people who were up early to go worship. Right? Because it appealed to their flesh. It appealed to what they already wanted. Right? They got, they've got their flesh satisfied and they got to go to the, do it under what? Religion. 
And then there was a third reason, and that's simply financial prosperity. Baal was the god of storms. Supposedly he brought rain. So if you want a good crop, if you want to be prosperous, you need to appease him, right? And so people use false religion for what? Prosperity. They use false religion for prosperity. And so people pursue false religion for self-centered gratification. This satisfies my flesh. There's a third reason, and that's simply this. Why would they exchange the glory of God? Human pride. Just human pride. I'm good enough for God. I can save myself. How dare you tell me I'm a sinner? Look at him. Look how bad he is. I do lots of good things. I can save myself, right? You can almost hear what Paul says to the Jews, right? Going about to establish their own righteousness, they refused to submit themselves to the righteousness of God. They thought they were good enough. They thought God was less righteous than he is. They thought they were more righteous than than they were. And therefore, they thought they could be righteous enough for God. And people love to feel like they're good enough. I can work my way to God. I can be good enough. I can make it on my own. And so it appeals to their pride. So false religion appeals to one's pride. And so you can see that ultimately... False religion leads back to what? Self-worship. It's about me. And Satan is a master to bring the things in religion that people want. And though they are ultimately worshiping in the doctrines of demons, and they are doing Satan's bidding, they are ultimately doing it for what? For self. For self. And we must recognize that false religion is not some vestige of good in humanity. It is the height of depravity as men reject what they know to be true. And we must be fully convinced of this. There is one way to heaven. There is one way through the gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ who paid the price for sin, who died on the cross, lived a perfect life, rose again. The only righteousness that is righteousness for God and the only way is through the true worship of the true God in faith, having received that righteousness from him. So this morning we must recognize that anything that is not worship of the true God is idol worship. So the question this morning to all of us, whether you're a believer or unbeliever, do you love anything more than you love God? Do you love anything more than you love God? Right? We started out this morning, well, you disobey God to get it. That's an idol. Well, you 
will you disobey God or get angry and sin if you don't get it? That's an idol. Where do you spend your time? Where do you spend your money? Where do you spend your resources? What will you sacrifice in order to get? That can be an idol. Anything that puts, anything that is put in front of God is ultimately what? An idol. And the only hope is to turn to the Lord Jesus Christ in repentance and ask him to give you the strength to worship him with all your heart, all your soul, and all your mind. And if you will do that, he will give you the power to worship him for all that he is and that you will worship him for all his glory, his eternal power in divine nature. Let's close prayer. Heavenly Father, we again thank you for your word. We thank you that it is so clear. And we pray that you would help us to recognize the horribleness of idolatry and recognize false religion for what it is. And I would pray that you would help us to be those who worship you in spirit and truth here this morning. That we would renounce all the idols in our lives. And that we would worship and give you the glory that you so deserve. I pray in your name. Amen.